What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Coming up on Star Talk, we're going to explore the future of commercial space with engineer and aerospace executive Lauren Lyons, who will get us dreaming about our future, not on Earth. Coming up. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. I'm here with my co-host, Chuck Knight. Chuck it, baby. What's happening, Neil? All right. Yeah. Uh, you know what we're going to talk about today? Um, I don't. Okay. Commercial space flight. Oh, really? Yeah. We haven't we haven't tackled that subject in a while. So what we want to do is bring in some expertise. Absolutely. To help. I know a little bit about it, but I'm not like in it. Right. I can talk about it like stratospherically. Because in the last decade, there's been... A major advances yeah. in commercial aerospace. Yeah, yeah. You got Elon Musk. You got uh, Sir Richard Branson. Yeah. You got the bald dude that's one day going to rule the entire world. Okay. <laughs> mm, yes. Oh. Billions, billions of dollars. Hey, Dodge, you know, I hadn't thought about it. He could be a Bond villain. That's right. Are you kidding me? There's never been a better candidate for a real-life Bond villain than <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Okay. <laughs> Like, you just see him, you know, just, they're going to name him, like, Scorpion. That's going to be his oh, new he's name, gonna name keep you know? It's me, Scorpion. Mm. So, guess who we found? We found the one and only Lauren Lyons. Wow. Lauren Lyons, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you. So, I was looking at your profile. Oh, my God. So, so in college, you majored in aerospace engineering, and then, then you went on to study, was it business and government or something on top of that? I did, yeah. yes. Whoa, I remember that. So I got here, wait, you worked for Firefly Aerospace. Yes. Uh, and you were in the engineering leadership at Blue Origin. And the Blue Origin is, is Jeff Bezos. That's Bezos. And a senior engineer and technical program manager at SpaceX. Nice. The, 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 ticking all the boxes. That's all the boxes, man. All the boxes. And while at SpaceX, you worked on Starlink. Wow. 
which we people complain about Starlink. Uh, do we blame you? We'll get, find out in a minute. It's all my fault. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. We're going to totally find out <laughs> if that's your fault. The Alpha Rocket, uh, Blue Moon, and the Falcon Nine. We would we would just we at, just had to. We, we would Falcon just nine. You're at the booster memorial. You're at the booster memorial. Oh yeah, yeah. the Falcon Nine. That's called the memorial. That's what it's called. Oh my god, what a morbid. Oh no, name. monument, monument. Oh, okay, monument. thank you. <laughs> yeah. hey, big difference. Yeah, good point. It was the first one we ever landed. Yeah. So no, she said not the first one ever flown. The first one ever, <laughs> ever landed. landed. Uh, no, hands, ever ever hands, landed softly. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's why you got to pour a little beer out of your old old <laughs> for the boosters that aren't here. Yeah. Oh, if you have all the ones that. Get Gave their lives. So that's right there. It's out in the open LA sky. You can see it from air, from the airplane when you're coming into LAX. You look out the left side of, of the plane, and there you see it every nice. single time. Wow, yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. Well, it's interesting cool. that she said that because that means the wind patterns over LAX hardly ever change. You just look out the left side, like because if wind has changed, then you'd be looking out the right side, right, right. right? So what a statement about the how, the regularity of air patterns. Wow. I'm glad I put that together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, if you're on the ocean, typically right. winds tend to come in offshore. Typically, something it can reverse, that, but uh, he's um, and if it does reverse, <laughs> they just take them off the other way. But they rarely come at an angle to that. And yeah, most airports sense. have to have an angle, a, a, a runway on an angle, to do that. What did you do for the Falcon? You worked on the Falcon 9. I worked in, so it was like the very first job I had at SpaceX. I came in being what they call a mission manager. And you're basically the systems engineer that's responsible for saying, hey, we're going to make sure that the customer's satellite, that the payload gets integrated onto the rocket safely. And so that's everything from managing all of the sort of integrated analysis that has to happen, like thermal analysis, mechanical structures analysis, um, down to actually being at the launch site during the launch. Oh, my God. So were all these launched from Cape Canaveral? So, no. uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, just a couple hours north of L.A. That's where I had my very first launch campaign, my very first mission. Um, But most of at the time, most of, this is back in 2015, most of the launches were going out of the Cape. And we were launching out of Vandy maybe like once a year. Vandy, you get that? Vandy. On a first name basis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Vandy. Okay, excuse me. We're not, we, we're not at that level. I know. I I'm not nearly aerospacey enough to <laughs> call it Vandy. Okay. We're, 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 we're with you, though. Okay. Okay, Vandy. You're Vandy. at Vandy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, just to be clear, there's a, I think of Vandenberg, I think of Air Force Base. Yes. Is, is there a, a civil portion of that launch? No. <laughs> so you are on the, now it's the Space Force, but right, uh, you are on the base. So you have to get like, go through all of the military checks. You got the little badge for the I, I base. I didn't know this. So it's not just some side no. platform that you can no, launch. No, absolutely you, not. You're entering you on base. secure space. Yes. As opposed to the Cape, there's the Kennedy Space Center side, and then there's the Cape Canaveral Air Force, well, Space Force Station side. Um, at least it was the last time I was doing launches, and so I don't know if that's changed, but you used to be able to go. You can go to the Kennedy side, or you can go to the, the Air Force side. But at Vandy, it's a working base. They have, you know, Space Force. Do you know the area code of Cape Canaveral? Uh, I do not. What is it? 321. Ah! You didn't know I think that? I should know that. They're like the totally fo- I totally sh- should know. You totally should have known Dialing that. Dialing those numbers. Oh my God. <laughs> that's cool, man. Three, two, one. So tell me exactly. Okay, so the integration of the payload yes. to the rocket service that you're providing. Correct. All right. And so you have to check for safety or, or that it's not going to jiggle the thing out of operation? All of those things. So, so basically, if a, someone says, I want to launch a satellite, and I'm talking like not 
those sort of missions where SpaceX throws like, you know, 50 small satellites. But if someone comes with like a big satellite and they've paid, you know, billion dollars or $100 million or $50 million for this thing, they show up. I don't want you messing that up. You can't mess it up. So they hire people like me to be that kind of go-between. So some of your compensation comes from the company that wants to launch the satellite because they need your assurance? Uh, No, not necessarily. Sorry, let me be more clear. What what happens is I, I was working for SpaceX and... You can't just have this customer show up and they're like, I want to talk to all the engineers and I want to know if, if am I going to vibrate off the, you know, the attachment and, you know. Right. They need to know what, what could harm their exactly. precious payload right. based yes. on the parameters of the launch. Correct. And so what they do is they give you a set of requirements. They say, this is the trajectory I want to fly. This, these are the loads that the satellite can withstand. A series of things across the entire sort of spectrum. Please affirm for me, is there no greater love of an engineer than a set of requirements. No, no, actually, let me be real. So I come from like the commercial space world where requirements are obnoxious. I was going to say, oh, <laughs> oh, I thought so you guys are... For you, for you, it's the no, no green M&Ms in the green room. That's, <laughs> no. yeah, it's, it's, it's a Wait, so I yeah. thought the engineer loves being inventive with the constraints placed upon them from the outside. Is that not true? So, you know, there's... Is a way to overdo it. Mythology. Not when you're the person who has to actually make the mission work. (laughs) (laughs) When you're you're just somebody who's given the challenge, right, and you just want to design something, then it's great because who cares? Like, I want a stairwell. I want a stairway to nowhere. And I don't want to see any supports underneath of it. Oh, okay, that sounds awesome, right? But you tell a carpenter that, and he's like, F you, man. <laughs> the hell is your okay. problem, right? <laughs> so, so what are things? So it's vibration tolerance, vibration, acceleration, surely. What acoustics. else? Acoustics. And so you want to make sure that while the satellite's in there and as you're ascending with that rocket, you're not going to like introduce all this acoustic noise. Shake, that, rattle, and roll. Exactly. Yeah, you could do the harm. So many things. Environmental controls, temperature, um, airflow. You want to make sure you don't get condensation, that you don't reach dew point inside of that fairing. Right. So now these specifications change for every single flight. Then. Not necessarily. Okay. So the way— But just a quick point. Your dew yeah. point is more likely to be hit in Florida, where the humidity yes, is high. exactly. So you're constantly— Remind us what dew point is. It is the uh, temperature at which, like, water vapor will— Condense, condense and become right, liquid in and, the atmosphere. And so imagine you... It's a temperature that you drop to. Yes. 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 So the reason it becomes an issue is like water in of itself. In some cases, if you have something that's not hermetically sealed, um, that obviously becomes a problem in cases where things are sensitive to that. But in case, even when you're not talking about electronics and things like that, where... Imagine you're in a situation or in this room and it's not super clean and there's like particles in the air. There are. There's like particles all in Absolutely. this. We don't have to imagine that. Yeah, it's, true. it's like, because <laughs> it's happening right It's now. everywhere, right? I'm telling you, yeah. And so now if you reach dew point, that water catches those particles. So I worked on, let me give you a specific example. I worked the first launch that I signed up to work on, which is the reason I went to SpaceX, was to launch TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. Um, amazing. That's one of my, my people. Yes, that's, that's my people. That's one of. Uh, that's I figured community. you would love Tess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Tess. We, we all love Tess. Tess was love Tess. basically the follow-on to Kepler. Right. Yes. The transiting exoplanet. These are planets orbiting other stars 
that pass that in front of front the host of, star right. and dim the star. Right. And so, yeah, it's adding to our catalog. We're, we're rising through 6,000 exoplanets right now oh, and so growing. Now. So okay, so, you, so you're, so you're, you're in the club. You're, oh, you're, that's why I went. I was oh. like, I want to launch this. I was like, I don't have the skills to oh, contribute so to this you're one mission, of us. <laughs> but I want to like launch this. one of my people. Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Tess had four cameras. Before you could do ever, like when we discover an exoplanet, do you ever just take your phone and go, I did that. <laughs> uh, not anymore because it happens so often. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, every, every exoplanet yeah. every couple of days. It's, it's right. boring. It's cheap and boring now, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're okay. just like, let's, yeah, just keep it up. Keep it up, Tess. Let's keep finding more mm-hmm. and more and more. Yeah. So, okay, so, so exactly what did you do? Tess. So yeah, so Tess, Tess has four cameras that, they had four cameras that in the fairing, well, it's sitting inside of the fairing, which is the shroud over the, the payload. They're just looking straight up and there were no covers on them or anything. And so imagine if you reach dew point, and you got all of that particulate then settled down inside on those the fairing. Cameras, in right. the fairing, on, on those four upper-facing cameras. Uh, you guys are pissed One of the people that I worked with, uh, she used to say, she used to tell the engineers who were like in charge of contamination control, she goes, if you mess this up, we won't find any aliens. No aliens. Yeah, exactly. So you got to make sure that you... Uh-huh. And it became this... That's a perfect plot for a movie for someone who doesn't want to find aliens. Yeah. Right. Make sure it does condense. Keep it nice and dirty. Yeah. Nice yeah. and dirty. Yeah. yeah. So I'd forgotten Can that... we get a lens wipe over here, guys? <laughs> oh, I've... and they were uncleanable on top of that too. Because they were so delicate. Yeah. You couldn't clean them. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, lenses are typically coated with... Uh, anti-reflection. That, but th- that right. might have different reasons, but in general, right. the lens is not just glass. There's stuff on top, top of, it of it as well. Wow. And you start wiping it, you start wiping off the, mm-hmm. the protective coating. Damn. Yeah. That is It's ins- not protective coating. It's, yeah. it's, it prevents reflections of light because at every surface you cross, there's light that reflects back and that part some goes through and there's a way to cancel out those reflections so that you have a perfectly transparent glass. And so, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to rub that yeah, off. Wow. But I had not appreciated until you said it moments ago that when you hit dew point, it's not just water condensing. Right. The water's grabbing whatever... Any particulate that's in the and then And then when that water evaporates, that stuff oftentimes well, get left behind. Wow, and it's just sitting that. there. Yeah. So let me ask you, because I... Did she finish? Okay, I finished. Oh, <laughs> about Tess. Okay, so... Tell, <laughs> oh, so, yes. So what happened with Tess? What did you yeah. do for Tess? So I was... The role was called Mission Integration Engineer. And I was, you know, when NASA came to us and they're just like, here's this crazy contamination control requirement, which is one of the strictest we've ever seen. It was my job to work with our engineers in-house to make sure that we were taking the precautions in terms of environmental control and the fairing, environmental control in the clean room in order to make that, to meet those requirements. And where was test made? Tess was a, a Goddard and MIT uh, collaboration okay. Okay. Um, with... Um, I think Goddard made, who made the bus? The bus Goddard was Space Orbital, yes, Goddard Space Flight Center in, in, on the science side. Yeah. Uh, also, MIT made the cameras, okay. and uh, the spacecraft bus itself was made by Orbital ATK at the time, now north of Grumman. So, Tess, Tess is flying high right now. So it's congrats. doing great. Thank you for your service You know, on that. It was when, when, an honor. when you're dealing with all of these highly sensitive apparatus, do you, is there an insurance Policy attached to this because well, let's get let's get to that. That's right. Yeah. So so the risk factors. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, launch failures. Does someone get blamed for that? Or Absolutely. Do you, or do you say this is an occasion where we will learn a great deal? Mm. You kind of have to do that last one anyway. Uh Like it always is a learning because if you knew it, you wouldn't have ended up in that situation. And so there's a ton of learning that happens in it. Um, But 
you know, I worked multiple launch failure investigations. I worked them at SpaceX and I led the failure investigation for Firefly for our first uh, rocket, which exploded in spectacular fashion on our very first launch, which is like not unheard of for the first launch to not be successful. Right. But they've had- Right, under- even rockets fail. They don't just sort of fall over. No. Yeah, it's They're basically bombs. Right. right. <laughs> it's generally spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's you reminded that when you're taking off, it's a highly controlled bomb. Right. <laughs> you're yeah. in control of the bomb. If you're not in control of the bomb, it's it's an explosion. Yes, yeah. exactly. So how do you get data from that if everything, if the evidence has been blowed up? So interestingly, it's rarely completely gone. Even in the case of the, the mission, it was, uh, God, F920, I believe it was, the 20th Falcon 9 flight, um, where we lost Dragon over the water. We still, co- even though the, everything exploded and ended up in the ocean, we still were able to collect some data, um, some physical evidence, but... Just to get the parts right, so that the the Falcon is the booster. Correct. And the Dragon is the spacecraft spacecraft on top. Yes. Okay. So all these names, they're just bandied about. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we we got the Yeah, let's explain them. Okay. Yeah. So So like in the old, because I'm old school, the Saturn V rocket, on top of that was the command module, right? So, Mm -hmm. and that had a name. Yes. Right. So this is the corresponding... Good point, yes. ...argument here, I guess. Okay, so I interrupted. Go on. No, no, that was a good clarification. Um, So, there's the physical evidence side, but I will speak to early flights, like early missions. Um, For when you first build a vehicle, you want to collect as much data as you possibly can. So, I will... You know, speaking on the Firefly incident, by the way, they've had 100% mission success for the, the next missions that they had. They killed it. But that first killed one... It, that's a good thing. And a good thing. They, I was like, crushed it. Is there any, like, positive words that don't, like, mean, like, destroy? crushed it. I killed it. They killed it. That meant it was a success. Knocked it out of the park. to stay with the lingo. so violent. Yeah, I'm an old man on a porch. You know, these youngins, what vocabulary. They did good. Okay. So... um See, what you do is you end up, and it's not even just the early missions, definitely on the early missions, but even later on, what you do is you instrument the heck out of those vehicles. Like you've got thermal couples, you've got accelerometers, you've got every kind of instrumentation Sources that you can of think data. of. Right. Yes. Just picking up and all the data. There are those who, you know, there are a lot of folks, for example, there's a lot of launch vehicles out there, by the way, and other spacecraft that don't really have a lot of like cameras on their vehicles. Wow. At SpaceX, we had them everywhere. But a lot of people didn't have them because they believe that that data is more useful. Um, I personally am of the opinion that both are incredibly useful. And the data, I probably prefer data over video, (laughs) frankly. Um, But Mm. if you've got video, like it's tremendously helpful, even just for correlating to an event that happens during uh, an accident or anomaly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you even if you don't have all the physical anomaly, evidence, that's the mm-hmm. code word for yes. sort of messed up. up. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. anomalous. Yes, an anomalous. <laughs> yes, anomalous condition. You on know board the word the they, it's mishap. A mishap. Yes, this is oh. the word the FAA uses. That's mishap. A mishap. Oh well, what a. What a lovely euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we've had a terrible mishap. I'm going to need a new pair of underwear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if if it's a really bad thing that happens, uh, there's like levels of bad with these investigations. If it's really bad, it's an accident. Wow. Yeah. So a mishap. I've done mishap investigations. You just dust that up. Just dust it under the rug. Keep going.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. I'm Nicholas Costella, and I'm a proud supporter of StarTalk on Patreon. This is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Before we go to our, our fan base set of questions, because we're going to turn this to a little bit of a cosmic queries, so I want to get from you. Um, I just want to help our audience and us understand the fundamental differences between the government putting things into space into orbit and private enterprise. Do you, do you have a different tolerance for error than the government does? It's a complex question because it depends on how error or failure is defined. Okay, so $100 million. Yes. Down a tube for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. The government can say, all right, which we're going to try that not to have that happen again, but an investor doesn't lose money. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and in some cases, $100 million is all you got. And if you're in a private enterprise and you have a failure like that, uh, you could be done. 
You could be completely. Oh, that's the end of your. It's the end of your company. Your company is gone. Yeah, that's your runway because you don't have another hundred million dollars in the bank that you could go, or you can't go to Congress and apologize. Okay, so there could have been ten other launch companies that came and went for just those reasons. There were. (laughs) Oh, okay. A lot of people had tried this stuff, and you know, Elon likes to say all the time he got really close. Like that last Falcon One launch, that company would have gone. SpaceX would have gone bankrupt Mm -hmm. had that one not been successful. The one that worked. The The one one that that worked. worked. That's on display. Right. Uh, Falcon 1. Oh, Falcon 1. Falcon 1, yeah. Okay. Um, and so he tells that story all the time. I mean, it was down and, to the and wire. So this, this makes sense because the people who are the leaders in the industry are all billionaires. Depends on how you define leader, but some there are there are some there are some that are billionaires, and there are many, many more who are not. And the billionaires are the ones who get all the attention. Attention. Okay. They get all the attention. All right. They're the ones That's people fair. love to talk about. That's fair. But there's a lot right. of people executing in the corners. Okay. Crushing it. Okay. All right. Good. Right. <laughs> in the corners. People don't know their names. People don't know what's going on. And 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 I think like that's kind of one of the things that always kind of like frustrates me a little bit with the billionaire space race narrative. By the way, like I'm not one of these people who's going to be like, this is all false. We should not criticize this. I don't fall into that camp. Like, I think there's some like valid. You're safe here. You're in yeah. a safe space. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I, I'm not going to be those people that just defends anybody just because I'm in the space. Right. Um, but I do think that one of the things that kind of frustrates me about that narrative is it, it kind of ignores the fact, let's just take, you know, Blue Origin, for example. I believe there's like 11,000 people there right. at yeah. this point. Right. Either seven or 11. I don't know. Some, some lot of people. A lot of people. And whatever, you know, criticism you want to hurl at Jeff, like, he is but this much of that company. That company is made out of, you know, 11,000 hardworking mm-hmm. people who care very right. deeply right. about the yeah. work that they're doing. Yeah. And and let's be honest, just because you're the pockets of an organization doesn't mean that you are the impetus for a success. Correct. Because, I'm sorry, the guy may be smart, and PayPal was wonderful and all. Oh, you're talking about Elon I'm here. sorry, both yeah. of them, all three yeah. of them. But I, I defy any of them to sit down and tell me how to put something into space. Can they really do that? Seriously. I, at least one of them can, like, give you a little bit of a run for your money. I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by, like, how much Elon can, like, go head-to-head, head-to-head? on really? a lot of things. Wow. Yeah, he's he studies pretty hard, and he's pretty, like, read up on stuff. Okay. And he's very—at least he was in the past. I'm not there now, so I don't right. know how hands-on he is anymore, yeah. but he's quite hands-on. Um, and so— After what he did with Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it's like, to your point, like— it's that's a different these, kind of that's social engineering. That's, that's different true. from different, different. <laughs> to your point, it's it's these these like these hardworking engineers who are there, you know, pulling the all nighters. I've always you know. felt that when people say, Oh, Neil Armstrong was the first person on the moon, and I'd say, It was Neil Armstrong plus ten thousand scientists Correct. and engineers. Exactly. I say that all the exactly. time. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Plus a, a little known fact, the mission patch for Apollo eleven did not contain the names of the astronauts. Did it? No, it did not. It's just oh. the eagle coming for touchdown on the moon. I love that. that, that uh, there was a nice touch. I, mm, I, I, I love that. I, I don't like claim- the Yankees. They don't put the names on the back of the jerseys. But, no, they didn't. Right, yeah. right. Well, they were the first to ever have numbers on their jerseys. Right. So yeah. that was just the batting sequence. Exactly. But uh, all right, let's go to what I, see what our fan base has to say. All right, let's do it. All right. It. This is uh, Cameron Bellamy. And Cameron says, greetings from Baltimore to Neil, Chuck, and Lauren. 
What are a few of the current and biggest unsolved challenges in the field of human commercial space travel? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Uh, I think the biggest one, the single biggest one, is expensive. It's incredibly But costly. I thought that's the whole point of SpaceX, trying to drop the price. So they haven't dropped it enough, is what you're saying. Not remotely so. Um, oh. So, like, it, it depends on, you know, so if you, you want to talk about, you know, making it accessible— to not just governments or billionaires. Right. Um, we got a ways to go. And Can you quantify ways? So, I will say— Okay, so, so Elon put some people in orbit. Yes. All right. That was how much per person? So, I believe NASA pays $88 million a seat or something like that's that. That's $100 million. Well, that's less than a lot of other options, they, the other two options that they have. Okay. Um, I believe okay. so. And, and I, so, I if I'm a billionaire, that's okay, but most people aren't that. So, yes. what price do we have to get that down to? And will it ever get there? Or is it going to asymptote at some level that no one is ever going to reach and it's going to end the whole, the whole effort? I think we'll get there. And the way that cost comes down is not just through reusing boosters. I mean, like, that helps for sure. But it's still not where it needs to be. Um, Falcon 9 can only do so much in its current— I mean, it's, it, it does what it does. Well, this is why they're developing Starship. So it helps it get to orbit and then it comes back. Correct. Yes. But so this is why they have Starship, right? You got to push those boundaries. And so what Starship enables is to drastically reduce that cost uh, of, for launch. And so... Is it because of how many people? So the, it, cost, the cost per person. The cost per person, the yeah. cost per launch, the cost of materials, the cost of fuel, like everything. It's, it, they're dropping those costs. And it's such a large vehicle as well that it can carry much more mass to orbit. So currently, the way you think about mass, for every sort of kilogram that you put in space, like that's what we talk about, cost of launch. You kilogram think about it. is 2.2 pounds. Mm. Thank you. You Thank got you that, that one? Uh, I used to sell drugs, so I'm <laughs> very much aware. Very much aware. Okay, good, good. You sell kilograms of drugs? <laughs> 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 yeah, high roller. High yeah, roller. Yeah. Hey, we, don't, we don't do the small that's stuff. The, like, right, no. like, yeah, wow. So, so, you have, so you have numbers there for yeah, what yeah, it costs? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So the Saturn V, it cost $54,000 per kilogram launch to low Earth orbit. Wow. Okay. The space shuttle was $65,000 per more. kilogram. And yes. that was supposed to bring costs down. I know. That did not work that out. That did not work well, out. There's your yeah. government working for you. No. Yeah. <laughs> so then you've got the Falcon 9, which is currently at, if you're going to get a dedicated Falcon 9 just to yourself, uh, $2,600 Per kilogram. Okay, that's half. So it's 26,000. 2,600. 2,600? That's huge. Okay, that's yeah. a factor of 20. That's insane. Yeah. A factor of 20 from the Saturn V. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, so, all right. So that brings in many more customers. Yes. Who would have orbital things they want to do. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And so, like, right now, if you wanted to launch. So, uh, that's right, Chuck. How, how, how many kilograms do you weigh? Ah, let me see. What would it cost to throw, throw your ass into orbit? Let me see. What would it cost? Well, are humans considered payload? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, so like, okay. So when we start really thinking about human spaceflight and not just kind of circling the Earth because it's like great, cool, boldly you know? going where like hundreds to have gone before, go, go further, place. right? Every, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers on this, but you got to keep these people alive. They need food. They need water. They need air. They don't got that in space. That. You, you have to keep the people alive. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it's expensive. <laughs> and so, and, and, it, and it 
requires a lot of mass. So if you're going to carry... Mass beyond you. Mass beyond you. So the environmental control systems and life support systems, there's a lot of effort. So getting back to that question, there's a lot of effort that's going into figuring out how to have closed loop systems and so that you don't have to have all these excess consumables. That's, that's that code for drinking your own pee. Just yes, to be precisely. Of course it is. And growing plants growing and then plants using the fertilizer right. from yourself of to like course, grow right. the next ones. Mm-hmm. We saw that um, movie. Poop <laughs> <laughs> we yes, saw that movie. yes, yes. You did potatoes. a whole thing on this. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so... You know, figuring out that question as well. And regardless, like, you're going to still need to bring consumables with you. So you're going to, it's going to require mass and you need a big rocket. But you also need that rocket to not be crazy expensive, right? And so that's that sort of balance that that kind of needs to happen to make mm-hmm. that work. Um, and then the other thing so that I think— it's a matter of time? I think it's a matter of time. You know, I really if we, do. If we yeah. showed the Falcon yeah. 9 to the Wright brothers, they— they would have an aneurysm and right? die yeah. on the spot. On the spot, right? Yeah. Right. So how far away is this? I think we are— Given what we've accomplished thus far. So, I mean, what is it? Like later on this decade, you know, SpaceX is supposed to be launching our astronauts to the, uh, to the moon. So that's going to happen. Uh, they've actually sold the first Starship launch to a guy named Jared Isaacman. And Jared— is supposed to launch himself and a crew of three others, at least three others, I believe, with him. For what? Just to go? They just going. <laughs> okay. They Jared, going. don't come back. Uh, no. But he's also doing like a bunch of like research and stuff while it's up oh, there in okay. science That's and cool. things too, right? Yeah. So, I thought it was a joy ride. So yeah, I think um, those folks that are able to, to pay for these experiences were just not quite at a point yet. And was like, oh, the space economy is so big. It's doing great. And it's just like, I, is it? Because these markets don't actually exist yet. There isn't a market that exists that allows this sort of real economy to come up. And so similar to when you think about the arts and engineering and technical things back in the 1600s and even before then, who used to pay for that stuff? Oh, rich people. It was it rich was people. Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. this is just the so same— So you have any unique— Discomfort with this fact. Right. This is how right. it is. This is how it works. Yeah. It how it how we're and thank God that there are people who have this hunger to do this crazy stuff. Or capitalism. It ca- yeah, there's that. There's that. <laughs> or yeah. mercantilism, as it was in the with the Medici. Medici. Yeah. Wait, wait. So so give me. I want you to be quantitative. So yeah. how many years from now? Ten years? Twenty years? Where where a family can save up. And, and and instead of we gonna go to Disney 20. World or are we gonna go to space? I Get your ass to Mars. I think it's twenty. Twenty yeah. years, maybe fifteen, but probably twenty. That's really close. That's, that's very it's pretty encouraging. Close. Really and now I don't mean to Mars. I mean like go yeah, and well, do yeah, a little yeah, circle around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a company. There's two companies. There's a Worldview and Space Perspective, and they're doing these balloon uh, flights. And those are supposed to be coming on in the next couple but of years. Balloon launches don't have the same appeal. They as do a not, but it's way more chill. You're not on a bomb. You just kind of like slowly Flo- go up. So and- I remember Oz <laughs> floating away on his balloon. That was just not as exciting as a rocket launch. I'm, <laughs> right. sorry. I'm sorry. You wouldn't do it though. Uh, what on a balloon? Would you do it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, up, uh, up and up, away. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. I probably would. Yeah. Uh, it can't. It's not like a rocket. Wouldn't rockets you like blow up. To ride? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, what if you could up. get the orbital perspective? Like you could get that sort of overview effect without being on a bomb. Yeah. yeah. It's not a. It's not a bad idea. Okay. I mean, no, it no. takes a little longer. I did the math though. on the balloon. Yeah. What do you think? No, it goes to a schoolroom globe. Yeah. It goes up the height of the thickness of a dime. Mm. So I, I'm not counting that as an overview. That's okay. Okay. No, you can't see 
national borders, but neither can you from an airplane. Okay, so mm. I'm not mean, mean balloons. Ah, I'm not, you know, so I, don't think it's I did the math right. on that. Right. Got it. Okay. Chuck, give me another one. All right, here we go. This is Alex. We luxuriously answered that question. We did, <laughs> but who cares? All right. Um, this is Alexander Harvey, and he says, "Hello there, Doctor Tyson." And Chuck, this is Alex from Denver, Colorado, reporting in. What are the biggest limitations on constructing? Uh, now, listen, as he's going out there, a floating human colony in space. And how might we overcome those limitations? My man is like, I want a he, colony he living in space. I wouldn't use the word colony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, colony is different from colonize. That's it, true. It's true. This, this is a but subtle it's thing. still, like, it's too subtle. It still carries and, some baggage. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a, a word with baggage. Right. Yes. So there are two kinds of colonies we can think of. One is, like, on a surface of some place. Right. Like the moon. Yeah. Right. That sounded like a free-floating colony. He wants, he wants, he wants an like O'Neill cylinder. Yeah. Right. Oh, O'Neill cylinder. Yeah. So Gerard O'Neill, uh, he had fantastical ideas about our future uh, living in space with farms and, right. and yeah. so these. So you said a Gerard. So what's a Gerard cylinder? Or the uh, O'Neill cylinder. cylinder. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on these things, but like these sort of self-contained environments that are mm -hmm. just in space where yeah. people are living and thriving and yeah. working and right. there's grass and water and there's Elysium. these closed ecosystems. If you saw the movie Elysium. Elysium, but hopefully without the classism, just like a little... Okay. Exactly. Yeah, right. that would be great. But, yeah, but, these would be rotating, so yes. you have a and centrifugal so you have, gravity. Yes, and then you can yeah. have gravity. gravity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. so cool. So, okay, so how far are we away from that? We're very, 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 very far, far from that. Uh, um, like, okay, so to the question of what do we need to do to get there? Yeah. So first, uh, in the last few years, there have been a number of new companies that have spun up in order to build commercial space stations. We currently don't have any of those. And so let's start there. Like, let's start. So the current space stations are national. Correct. Like Chinese and, yes. and the ISS. Right. Yes. Okay. And NASA has already said, you know, we'd like to partner with commercial industry to do this. So they have done some sort of small awards to some companies to do some early design work on mm. that. And so there are companies out there that are trying to do this. But you know what? These things cost billions of dollars a year just to operate. And the logistics money associated— Right, pay or play. This yes. Is, this is a— It's, it's crazy. And, yeah. and then just like in one of the, the biggest chunks of that cost is just in the process of getting— things and people to and from it. Mm. So, launch costs needs right. to come down. Right. Additionally, you start thinking about it and you're like, really, are we going to just build these massive structures with stuff from Earth? That's silly. So then we have to start thinking, how can we actually get materials from the moon, from asteroids? How can we or, assemble or materials? Print them. Print them, bring them all material. Well, you need the raw material. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And assemble things in space. So there's this whole sort of field that's coming. So it's about. cheaper to move something from an asteroid to your space not, platform, not yet, than but. from Earth. To the platform. The idea will be once we figure out the whole asteroid mining thing, oh, right, which right. is still quite That's, a ways away, um, then that starts to make more sense for right. these mega structures. Because it costs nothing to launch from an asteroid. Right. You've got hardly They're any gravity out there. Right. Right. And it's got a, a lot of raw materials. A lot of raw materials. So just I'll get it from an asteroid. Forget Earth. Yes. Mm, right. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. okay. So that would unlock like in space manufacturing using materials What's from the in company space. that's trying yeah, to do one? that? Um, There's a few. Yeah. Which one? You thinking the one that wanted to make money mining asteroids? There's yeah, there's a, a company called Astroforge. That's not what I'm thinking. There's of, one know. called Carmen Plus. I'll keep going. There's uh, a couple that no longer exist. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> lovely people, I, I, <laughs> but I, I, they 
Space resources? That was a company. There's planetary resources. Maybe that one. And then there was deep space industries. Okay. These were two that founded by wonderful humans. These are dreamers. These they are... were dreamers. They were just Whoa. a little early, I think. And and now that resurgence is coming okay. back. And yeah. All right. So again, we're in the decades, not centuries. We are in the decades. Right. Uh well, in the case of O'Neill cylinders, I don't know, man. That's one where this is a lot <laughs> that needs to happen to make that real. Well, yeah. you know, what's going to help that along is that we're gonna need them. You know, <laughs> see, that's the problem. Okay. The way we're treating the planet, you All know, right. we're going to actually uh, need to yeah. go someplace for a little while to allow Earth to recover. Or yeah. we can stop messing it up. Well, we can. I mean, listen. Would, would you go to one and live there and, and on leave an Earth cylinder? behind? Um, one of these O'Neill cylinders? Depends on how nice it is. If it was a two-way ticket. Let's say it's, uh, <laughs> let's say it's the Ritz-Carlton of O'Neill cylinders. Oh, dang. And what is it orbiting? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Damn, she's getting she's all still, particular. She's still I don't know. That require are we in the Saturn system? <laughs> oh, like, where are we? <laughs> oh, Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be beautiful. Saturn Wouldn't it be beautiful? Like that scene in Interstellar? I cry whenever I see it. Oh. When he gets there and there's like the rings of Saturn. Rings of Saturn. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Oh, oh my God. So I'm getting my like, right. thinking about getting it. Getting verklempt. Yes. Okay. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another one, on, yeah. Let's hear what yeah. we go. Time is, for just a couple more. This yeah. is Alex Pilon, and uh, he says, Hello, Chuck, and hello, Neil, hello, Lauren. This is Alex Pilon. Chuck, it's pronounced, and then he spells Alex phonetically. Because Chuck Chuck has issue problems pronouncing people's not names. That, not that bad. <laughs> My and, problems and, and, aren't that bad. And not with Alex. Right, yeah, right. With Alex? <laughs> like, Alex. 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 Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he says, uh, Hey, calling here from uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Thanks for taking my question. Lauren, what new and exciting technology are you most excited about that we don't know about? Oh. Ah. Is it in propulsion? Is it in mm. material science? Mm. I am really excited for and it's going to, you already know about it, though. People already know about well, maybe it. Maybe not it's everybody. Just honest, Try it. Is, is re, fully reusable rockets. I'm talking the first stage, the second stage, and that they can fly once a day. Stem to stern. 
just up and back, airplane up and back. Like, like the way we take planes. Exactly. Like when you get off your plane, your plane isn't sitting there waiting for you to come back. It goes on to another destination or it goes back to where it came from, taking more people back there. Yeah, but Chuck, I can fly a plane to a destination and it can refuel at that destination. So if you're going to have a rocket that's empty of its fuel when it gets to where it's going, you need a filling station on orbit. So that's another thing that gets me excited is exactly that. So the way Starship works, as an example, they can launch all that mass to orbit, but if they're going to get to the moon, they need to refuel on the way there. So refueling technology, I think, enables us to go deeper and deeper into the solar system. So you need cargo ships carrying fuel to depots. Yes, you need fuel depots, absolutely. Or Which sounds weird, but somebody had to do that when cars were invented. Exactly. They're still doing it. And they're still doing it. I want to drive there. Yeah. Well, there's no gas station. Well, yeah. somebody says, oh, we'll put a gas station so you will drive there and you pay and me. There's That's a company exactly called Orbit Fab. Their tagline is gas stations in space. And oh that's entirely what they're trying so to do. Whole, they're trying to do. A whole it's a thing. Industry community. Yes. Northrop Grumman is working on this. There's a company called Astroscale that's working on this. SpaceX. There's so many companies. It's a key part of the architecture if you really want to like go, further, go further. I'm glad you all to, are doing that. I mean, yeah. I, you this know, is pretty somebody, exciting, actually. while the rest of us are fighting over the meaning of words on our social media <laughs> posting. Yes. Right. right. There's some people still thinking about a future. Yeah. No, it's it's incredible. And then like to even push that even further. Because I'm a big fan. Like, I am obsessed with, like, my favorite thing in the solar system is Europa. Like, obsessed. Cannot wait for Europa Clipper. Um, But I would love— Europa Clipper, that's not going to dig. It's just going to orbit. No, it's just an orbiter. It's going to do flybys. So it's orbiting Jupiter. Why can't you just not wait until the one that digs? Uh, ask NASA that question and it's come money. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I don't think it, I think it's on paper, but it's nothing funded to do that. Correct, right. yeah. They were like kind of working on a study and, yeah, and yeah, it just yeah. didn't quite make yeah. it to the next Europa level. Europa is the one that's yeah. got icy yeah. outer surface. The surface that you have. And, and ocean, ocean, ocean yes. underneath. underneath. Global yeah. liquid water. Enceladus, Enceladus. But I, 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 I thought there's a, uh, a plan to fly through some of the plumes of Enceladus. There is. And with Europa, Europa Clipper is going to fly through. through. They, but we believe that there are plumes on Europa as well. As Not well? the 101 crazy things that you get out of Enceladus, right. but uh, Europa, we believe there are plumes. And so my understanding is Clipper is going to go through and kind of taste the taste the plumes and right. look for organics. Do some chemical analysis of mm-hmm. that. Very nice. Yeah. Cosmic taste the rainbow. And if we, it's cosmic taste, yes, exactly. And if we find life on Europa. Oh, my God. I, you know, because mm. there's water there. In many places, we water, there's life. Wherever there's water, there's so, life. So I, that's something we can all imagine, okay? Yes. We want to know something secret that nobody knows, oh. that you know, because you're in the biz, mm. that when you when you reveal it, we say, whoa. Man, I, I just, uh, I don't know if I got one of those. <laughs> I... See, the right answer here would be, I'm not authorized to tell you. Yes, uh, if I had to, if I told you, I would have to right. kill you. Right, I right. wouldn't do that, though. Um, <laughs> so I'm just not going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> but like one, for me, I'm I'm just so interested in the going further question. We have to be able to go further. And right now we can't. And there... And we as people. People. Because we have robots Correct. out at the edge of the solar system. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't... What are you going to do if somebody is like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years together? It's nuts, right? So actually, uh, there I'm a part of the XPRIZE's brain trust for the space sector that we've got where we... Think up X prizes that are space related, and one of the finalists this year. So X prizes are you put up money for an audacious goal, yes. and then everybody 
puts in their money to do it to hope to get the prize. Right. And the total amount of money everyone spends is more than the prize money that someone wins. And so you get the benefit of this creativity. Yeah. yeah. And, and you so like you're, on, you're on a committee to decide this? I am. I am. For the space. Or spa- the space sector. For the space sector, right. Yeah, because XPRIZE you know, is biology. Right. Fields, Healthcare, yeah. education, yeah, all these yeah. things. And and so one of the, the finalists this year was this idea. It was called Sleep Like a Teenager. And this biologist brought it forward and... She's a medical doctor, and she and she said, "Hey, you know, we need to learn from the animals about hibernation. And hibernation doesn't necessarily mean going into like the little pod and, you know, like being knocked out for you know hundred years, um, like in the movies. Like in the movies, mm-hmm. hibernation could be simply just lowering your metabolic rate to the mm. point where you don't consume as many resources. That's what animal hibernation is. Sometimes bears are like actually awake in there; they're just like moving a little slower, right? And so." Like, how can you lower a human's metabolic rate enough such that they, to that point about mass, require fewer consumables? What if they were only working, you know, maybe three to six hours during the day and they slept the rest of the time? Like, you could actually, that could actually work. And so, uh, so maybe that answers this question of, you know, it's not something a lot of people are talking about, but it's something— Was of, it a feature that would be folded into this, ex- yeah, this right. exercise? So, this is for long-duration missions? For long-duration space Okay, life. so, you know, yeah. my reply to that question is— Invent a wormhole. <laughs> then all <laughs> yeah, missions take, I like that. take minutes. Oh my God, did you just guess the secret oh, technology that no? This was she was not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, <yes>. oh. <laughs> if he had that secret, believe me, we would not be sitting here. <laughs> He'd be trying to share it with the world, and I'd be like, no, sir, we got to make this money. <laughs> I must share this with the world, Chuck. <laughs> uh, it will revolutionize travel. A last fast question about the Falcon 9, because we were visiting yeah. the, the one out on, yeah, yeah. on the street corner. Uh, I noticed nine nine rocket motor nozzles at the bottom. Is that why it's called Falcon 9? That is why it's called Falcon so 9. So did Falcon 1 only have one nozzle? It did have one nozzle. Okay. Look at that. Yeah. Just, just verifying. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Falcon 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like not convinced that it was called Falcon 1 because it had one. It was probably just because it was the first the one. First one. Oh, yeah, just, it kind of makes just, sense. Just checking that. Yeah. So what's in store for you? What, what are your, uh, I understand you're moving to Paris. Uh, what's that about? Yeah. Who wants you here? Oh, I come back and forth all the time. No, no, here. (laughs) (laughs) We need you. Are you working working with like the French space program over there? No, I'm just doing my thing. So I've been consulting with U.S. companies, oh, and okay. and so just doing it from. So they come to you to get what from you? So my expertise. You took that pandemic remote working thing. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're from anywhere. So, so you have France these. It shall be. These multiple companies on your resume now. Yes. With all this various experience, right. and now you're now you have turned that into an independent operation. Yes. And you're CEO of this operation. I am. And what's it called? It's called V Labs. V dot lab. V dot for acceleration. Second. Oh, uh-huh. look it's at very nerdy. Oh, See, Did look at you. You this, but you got it there. Because oh, some people so, just look at me like no, Virginia that. Department yeah. of Transportation. Okay, you know, you know, like, and that's not what that you know, is. Okay. So, um, the rate of change of your position, right, is called your speed. Okay. Okay. Right. And your velocity. The rate of change of your velocity is called your acceleration. Okay. Isaac Newton developed a system of nomenclature and notation to represent the rate of change of your position relative to time and the rate of change of your velocity relative to time. And it's called dot. Okay. Dot. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. Okay. So V dot. 
is basically the first derivative of your velocity, which is your acceleration. And, and you only really go in places if you can accelerate. Right. Just to be yes. clear. And that's what we do. That's we, so geeky. We have, I know, oh, it's 100% intended to be. And that's so completely geeky. Yes. And it was, it was entirely Isaac Newton. He invented the dot, the dot notation nice. for, yeah. for derivatives. And the company is V dot what? Labs. V dot labs. But yeah, so that's exactly what we do is we help startups go fast. Help them do really hard things Accelerate very startups. Help accelerate their technical and operational capacity. That's because it's not just materials or just the traditional, what we think of as engineering. Uh, I'm impressed to learn that engineering in modern times, modern decade, recent decades, is making stuff work. Systems of systems. Yes. Oh, I nerd out on that so much. It's the, <laughs> no, it is. It's so good. It's so good. It's my favorite thing. Hey, get a room. It's like, I was like, ooh, the systems of the systems. Uh, systems of systems. Um, yeah. I could play it on a loop. Let me tell you about those systems of systems, y'all. Uh, we hit the uh, spot right there. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, no, the, it's, it's, you know, people look at, some of these like incredibly, so I study high performing organizations and I'm in the process of writing a book on this, looking at what are the trends and things that we can see between organizations that build hardware and what are the, what is the algorithm around that? And I think a lot of companies, they, they're constantly in search for it. They're always looking for this. And it's not simply like how good are your processes and how good your engineers are. It's the way in which you structure and build the organization to remove as many barriers from execution as you can. Are you to space companies what McKinsey is to sort of ordinary corporations, where the corporation doesn't have the internal expertise to how to run their business better, and so they go to a consulting company that says, fire these people, hire those people, and accelerate your progress? Is that what you are for space companies? In some ways. And what we like to do is get, like, very much embedded with the organization because my team and the folks that work with me are people who have been boots on the ground. They're not, you know, career consultants who've only kind of looked at it from the top. And right, say, but they just got out of the yeah, Harvard Business School. Right, right. nothing against that. Love HBS, love HBS. Okay. Uh, but what it, it's people who were in those roles. But just to be clear, the, the rowing team for Harvard Business School at the tip of their oars is a dollar sign. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. okay. Just, they don't, is this real? Yes, it is real. Oh my! Wow. Yeah, that's their. That's their. You know, others just have like colors for the f flag of their right. school, or the, it is a dollar sign. I mean, it's tips. not inaccurate, like mm. in terms of. Does it what make the boat go faster? Does the water say, is. "Hey, I loved scooping <laughs> off a dollar sign"? <laughs> uh, but anyhow, yeah. I mean, if they, the, I like your reference to boots on the ground. That's an important yeah. reality. Yeah. That brings a certain level of trust. Yes. And, and to be able to see a problem and to go, oh my God, I've lived through this. I, I feel like so many times I work with these companies, I go, oh, there was that one time, let me tell you, we did this mm -hmm. and here's what we did and here's how we got through it. Because I feel like there's so much tribal knowledge in this space and it pains me. This work is so important that we're doing in order to accelerate humanity's future in space. I don't think we can afford to be treating everything like, you know, oh, don't look at it, don't right. look at it, it's yeah. Otherwise, it, 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 you all go off the cliff together. Exactly. Right. And right. people are, you knew something that they didn't, exactly. they needed to know so they didn't fail. And just yeah. like repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And frankly, if like your success hinges on, you know, someone else just making a mistake, I don't know if that's like true. And so, 
how my goal and my passion with this industry is to be like, how can I sort of bridge those gaps? How can I remove those barriers, the things that those tribal knowledge blocks and help others just leapfrog the stupid stuff? So, okay? so in order for you to be really effective, typically you're working with a smaller company. Yes, yes. Because smaller companies are more nimble than big companies. They typically. are. They, and they tend to be like more hungry for okay. change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The and, change factor. Yes. Because big companies, they don't want to change. Yeah. And even if they do, it's like, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. But I think also what you see is there's now existence like proof. It's hard. It's <laughs> difficult. I've been in those companies. And, but you know, that now there's existence proof. You can look at a space. But tell Chuck what an existence proof is. Like, it's there. Like, we don't have to, like, imagine, imagine a world where, like, no, like, there is a In company called it SpaceX. Concept, but it's okay. That <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, you don't have to figure out whether it is true or can happen if there's an example of it having right, already happened. Right. So in we math, in math, it's, it's actually an existence proof. Oh. It, it's a, it comes from math. Okay. You asked me about Europe. And like France, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. is so interesting is Europe is about 10 to 15 years behind the U.S. in terms of like commercial space. And so they have this opportunity now that they have, there's existence proof. They're like, wow, it's been done. What are we going now to do? Now bring an American over to show them how to do it. <laughs> not, not so much, but just, you know, bring some of those lessons learned. And what is it? It's going to look different there because it's an inherently different ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But it is fascinating because it is ripe. It's brand new. It's fresh. So you're going where the opportunities are. There's a lot of opportunity there. Wow. There's a lot of opportunity. Okay. Wow. That sounds really exciting. Well, you're going to have to report back. Good for you. I shall. You yeah. you got to come back and, and find out what. we got to see how your predictions are going. Right. The decadal, <laughs> decadal predictions for the, the O'Neill cylinder. Yes. So she's probably going to have her own room on it and, and her own our little house. Her own little house. I want to be the mayor of one. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Well, well, Lauren, this has been a delight. Uh, and give us, uh, take us out with some I'm space with, uh, mayor. words of wisdom for a next generation. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll get very serious here. I believe that if you have the capability to do something good in the world, whether it's I'm smart or I'm talented, maybe both, or whatever that is, I believe that we all have the obligation to use that talent in a way that benefits humanity. And there's a variety of ways in which you can define that. Don't let anybody define it for you. But if you are gifted and blessed with capacity, please, please put it towards good. There you go. Mic drop. That's it. That's wonderful. There it is. That's it. We had music after that yeah, or something. Not, I don't yeah. know. Is there a button here? Nicki Minaj? There should be a <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. This has been another episode of Star Talk with a little bit of cosmic queries sprinkled in yeah. on the future of commercial space with Lauren Lyons. All right, Chuck, always good to have you, man. Always a pleasure. All right. This has been Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. As always, keep looking up. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. 
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.